You are listening to Myth Behaving, a podcast with a little bit of attitude on the literary world. Won't you come Myth Behave with us? Hello and welcome to Myth Behaving. This is episode number 13 of the Myth Behaving podcast and we're recording on June the 16th. I'm Carla Clifton and I am joined today by my normal co-host and partner in crime, Mayor Wilson. Hey Mayor, what's up? Hey Carla, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing good. It's hot here. It is here too. I hate the yeah, but summer. you got humidity. I don't. I know. Let's rewind. I, I, I want spring back. You and me both. And this <laughs> summer is already hotter. I mean, last summer I didn't have to turn my air on until late June, and boy, I'm already cranking it up this summer. Yeah, Hello, too. listeners. Each myth-behaving show features a special guest from the literary world. It could be a writer, a publisher, agent, editor, or anybody else connected with the world of publishing. Plus, we have several special segments related to reading or writing. Be very quiet when owning books in the library of a myth behavior. And that means it's time for something from the library of a myth behavior, which, of course, is me. Today, I'm recommending Rift Healer by Diane M. Haynes. I love this book. It's a young adult book, but as far as I'm concerned, it's for any age. I was so drawn into her enchanted forest and her characters. Her vision of the magical inhabitants is so different, yet familiar at the same time. You're not, not completely different, but en- enough to where it's, oh wow, that's, that's interesting. And that's the reaction you have throughout this. This book is so tightly written. It's fast paced. It flows smooth just from one magical moment to the next. The characters are so engaging and believing and believable and you you just they appeal to adults, they appeal to, to teens, and I just adored her main character, Haley, who is just such a little sweetheart, because she's she's going through this awkward blossoming of changing from the child and growing into a not only an adult but coming to terms with her own uh, magical powers as a magical healer. So, really cool book. I, I strongly recommend that everybody get and read Rift Healer, as well as uh, the short story sequel, Sirocco, that is out. Well, that must mean that our special guest today is Diane Haynes. Welcome to the show, Diane, and thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much, Mayor and Carla. I'm happy to be here, and I'm very excited to talk about Rift Taylor and Chiraco. We're thrilled to have you chat with us. Of course, you and I have, um, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you since we're, we're both from Crescent Moon, and we've gotten to interact uh, several times over the last four or five months, which has been absolutely delightful. What I'd like to know is, where did you get the idea to write Rift Taylor and Chiraco? Um, I had um, a dream about seven months after my brother died in 2004, and the dream was about um, some kids in a meadow, and they were um, they were sitting in front of a treasure chest that had crystals in it, and there were points of light all around them, and then one of the points of light, which I recognized as a fairy, um, disengaged and landed on one of the little girl's cheeks, and it had circles around it, pink circles, and she was absolutely entranced that she had a fairy on her cheek, and so was I. And when I woke up that morning and realized it was my brother's birthday, 
I decided it was a spirit gift from him. And I got up right away and started writing a short story. And then um, a few days later, I decided that a short story really wasn't good enough. And I began at the at the beginning using the um, scene in the fairy garden as as the climax of the book. And it took me four and a half years to write that book. And then um, I just I decided um, that I needed to write again. And and Scirocco was a fifty-five page um, ebook that is only ninety-nine cents on Amazon. And whereas Rift Healer takes place in high summer in Western Mass, Scirocco takes place between Christmas and New Year's, and it's the the forest is under four feet of snow. And so one of the first things that they have to decide is how to get into the forest and get around with four feet of snow. And so that's one of the uh, one of the problems. And and it's really fun how they uh, figure out what they're going to do and how to get in there. That's a fascinating s- story of how that that came about. That's just you know you hear other authors that that say, oh yeah, I I had a, an idea and a dream, but I I love. That particular story of yours because it's it's so touching. Well, not only that, it, it's such an honor because it's such a, a wonderful gift, you know. And as a non-writer, I can appreciate the thought of where some of these things come from within us, you know, and from around us. So I think that's awesome. Yes, many of my um, short stories that I'd written before came from dreams. I often dream a beginning, a middle, and an end, and then I generally write that story. And I don't really come up with my own stories. I guess I rely on the spirit world to help me. I love that. That's fabulous. Thank you. Of Truth and Mythery. Of Truth and Mythery is a segment where we take a commonly held publishing or writing belief and examine whether it's true or just another myth. Diane, feel free to answer this. World building in fantasy is easy because you can make up whatever rules you want. Is that truth or a myth? I would say it's truth. You can make up whatever you want to do. Your characters can have whatever superpowers or limitations, whatever you like, however you have to follow that and you have to make sure that you you stick to it or else the reader feels cheated. Uh, a few times the editor pointed out places where I had decided, okay, the, the person could have this power, but then I didn't rely on it throughout the story. And so I, I was challenged at that point either make it true all the way or he can't have this power. So I had to change a few things. And, you know, you, you come to rely on a, a certain trait that, that the uh, character has. And if you don't, then, you know, the, the reader, they, they get it. They, and, and they look back and they say, no, she wasn't, she wasn't playing fair. It, it just wasn't right. So you do have to keep, you have to keep all of the things in mind that you started with. That makes sense. And, and I agree with that completely. Um, writing fantasy myself, that's something I have to be careful of that I'll go back and I'll like, Oh, wait a minute. It's, it, this creates a plot hole because they could do, they could easily do this. 
And so I have to go back and, and fix those. So, yeah, that's a really good point, Diane. It's a, yeah, it's exactly right. And, and, and people, you know, you, you can't do, you, you can't make, um, complications too obvious. And you also can't get them out of trouble by coincidence. It, it has to really work. And, you know, fa- fantasy is wonderful. I, I really do like it. I, I love playing God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been writing and, and why did you decide to become a writer? Um, I think that I've been writing a very long time. When I was in Girl Scouts, I won a writing contest. And um, it was about my cat having kittens. And I also was an, am an artist. And I had to. De- I was kind of t- challenged to decide which one I wanted to do. So for the first, oh, I don't know, 50 years, I concentrated on art. And then after that, I said, you know what? This didn't get me famous. So maybe I'll write some. And that's when I started writing in 2004. I started writing seriously. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it'll get me famous. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> it's time for MythPrint. Tips and tricks of the industry. All right. It's time for another one of our special segments. MythPrint includes a basic tip concerning writing, marketing, or anything else to do with the industry. Diane, do you have any tips about writing that you can share with our listeners? Um, sure. You should, if you're going to write, you should write daily. Even if you're just writing nonsense, you should just continue to write and just keep on working at it. And I'd like to share my writing. Um, I own a shop and I write between serving customers. And a lot of times I'll write a sentence and, and try and figure out what's wrong with it you know there's you know you think it's good but then you read it back and it just doesn't seem right and so fortunately I have lots of customers to read my stories to and um, a few lines and say wait a minute what do you think of this and they'll say well that sounds great except for this one little thing where you know what does that mean and and so I'll go back and and with a little bit of help I, I tweak that I tweak the story I tweak the line the sentence and later when it's been published they come back and they want to they want to read through and find out which sentence they help tweak. It's, it's really cool. And I've actually had people have me sign that particular sentence because that was their part, their, their, their little, um, their little promotion of my, my story. And, and they show people and it's really cool. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. You know, writing is such a process of so, so many things. What do you love most about what you do, Diane? I love a beautifully crafted sentence. And, you know, I mean, a book is made up of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of sentences. And, and if you can get a really well-crafted sentence and then that kind of spurs you on to, to write another one that's just as good and just as good and, and, you know, and not leave it, you know, no, no easy ways to get out, you know, no cheap words. You, you just keep on writing until you've got a beautifully crafted paragraph and then a beautifully crafted chapter. You just have to keep on trying and, and making sure that it's, that it's right. It, it needs to be right. And, and you can't just let it go. You can't just be mediocre about it. Um, besides if you are, the editor will come back and get you. <laughs> <laughs> what a great answer. <laughs> Is there anything about that process that you don't like? Oh yes. The editing. It's, it's, it rips your heart out. <laughs> I bet. It really does. It is, it is not fun and it takes a long time. 
I bet. I, I mean, I can only imagine how tedious of a job that is, especially when you become endeared to the whole thing, you know. So that that would be very hard for me. I can understand why they pay editors to do stuff, you know, <laughs> because I don't know that I could chop my own words. You know, that would be so hard for me to do. If you get it perfect, how can they fix it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. There you go. That's one way to look at it. Well, authors work in so many different ways. Are you a planner outlining everything and making extensive notes? Or are you a pantser flying by the seat of your pants and letting the book go just wherever it will? I plot everything. Everything, everything. And if I get stuck, um, I can't write anymore until I have figured it out in my head. Sometimes I go an entire weekend just thinking about it, thinking about it, and then finally something happens. Someone will say something and I was like, that's it. That's what I have to do. And then I start, you know, I make, I make crazy outlines, lots and lots of outlines. And, um, and then I, I almost totally follow them. Um, I allow myself to go off every now and then, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I plot like crazy. I am, ugh terrible plotter. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't go by the seat of my pants at all. I, I will not, I will not follow a storyline to wherever it goes. I have to know where it's going to, where it's going to go and where it's going to end. Well, now that's interesting because I'm not so sure I would have thought that of you, but it does make sense. It does make sense. And I always start a book with the last chapter. I have, I have written three books and three books started with the last chapter and it drives me crazy. I'm a Virgo. I like to begin at the beginning and end at the ending and I have always started at the ending. I love the idiosyncrasies that that authors have and what it takes to to, to get that finished product and I, I find that that is fascinating. I, I have a general idea where I'm going, but wow, no, I don't have my ending written at all. So I find, I find that fascinating. I find it crazy. <laughs> well, obviously I've, I've read Rift Healer and I, I loved it. So tell us what's next for you. I'm working on, um, the third in the series and it's called Necromancer and it's actually Micah's book. It's from his point of view. It's probably about half finished, um, and it's, I lose, um, a main character, um, a main character dies, actually I kill her twice, um, <laughs> and it's, uh, basically a scavenger hunt, and there's, there's lots of danger, um, there's not quite as much romance, but, well, actually there is. Never mind. I'm not going to tell you any more about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to give us spoilers, Diane. We don't want to spoil it. Well, we've seen a lot of changes in the industry just in the last couple of years. How do you feel about those changes and how they've impacted your work? Um, I'm not sure that they've impacted my work. I I haven't self-published at all, um, and I'm I'm assuming that's that's what you mean about that. Um, I think that Amazon has made um, huge impact, and um, I think that self-published authors who were kind of scorned for a long time kind of have an advantage now. Uh, they can check the stats um, in real time on Amazon to see if their marketing efforts are working, and those of us with publishers have to wait months to know the results of our efforts. Um, if I could make any changes for published authors, I'd implement 
exactly what the self-published authors get, and and that's to know if their efforts are being rewarded, if the things that they're doing are um, making a difference, and and they're making more sales. You know, um, most of us are on our own when it comes to publicity, whether we're self-published or we have a publisher, and and you know, people who are working with a publisher are flying blind. We keep throwing money and time, you know, toward a goal of selling more books with no idea if it works or if it's just a miserable failure. So that's what I would do. I'd make it a little bit more transparent so that we could see our stats and we could know whether what we're doing is, is working. That's, that's a good point. I like that. Thank I like you. that idea. The myth number is. And now it's time for Myth Nomer, our word for the day. And today's word is fantasy. Diane, do you have any tips for those out there who might want to try their hand at writing fantasy? Um, my, my favorite thing about fantasy is I love to create monsters and then kill them. <laughs> um, and that's, that's just, that's just my approach. I try to think up monsters um, or creatures that I can get a piece of this kind of animal, a piece of that kind of animal and, and make them slither or crawl or fly around the forest and, and um, attack people or make friends with people or whatever. And, uh, and, and get reactions from, from the people who are in the forest. And I just, to me, that's fantasy is, is something that you don't see every day. And I just love it. I just dive right in with it, you know, with both feet. So for me, that's that's fantasy, something that you never ever see, but you would love to. That's such. So a they have to really use their imagination then to to get into writing fantasy and and let it take them wherever it will. Absolutely. When I am creating a monster, um, because I'm an artist, I draw or paint them, and that way. It gives me a better reference. I can see them and I can describe the scales or the feathers or, or whatever it is they are and, um, even the colors and, and it really helps me to, to, um, to describe them. That makes sense. I can't draw stick people. <laughs> I know, but you know, that makes such good sense because you are able to, to describe those details and I would think that by having such a gift of being able to draw that, you know, being, you know, drawing it and then articulating it, the description of what you've just drawn, I think that would make it so much easier. And I can't write or draw. So (laughs) I'm in trouble. (laughs) Well, Diane's our double threat here. (laughs) Yes, there you go. Well, now comes the fun stuff. I mean, we've been having fun, but here comes some really fun stuff. If you could have a dinner party with any seven people, living, dead, or fictional, who would you include and why? Okay, I am such a twihard, it's ridiculous. I am also a crazy Harry Potter fan. So I would have Stephanie Meyer and J.K. Rowling, and then I would have the entire cast of Twilight. Well, as many as I could, but you know, it has to include Robert Pattinson. Okay. And he has to sit right next to me. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but I, Stephanie Meyer is, and actually JK Rowling is also, both of them are my heroines. I just, I can't imagine what 
what their inspiration was. And it's just, um, JK Rowling is brilliant and she has just, she came up with so many wonderful ideas and, and she came up with language and, and an incredible world that I actually want to live in, you know? And, um, I, I absolutely, I admire her so much. And of course, Stephanie Meyer brought me Robert Pattinson. So that's, that's all I can say about that. <laughs> actually, you know, she doesn't say Edward. She I says know, I know, but see, actually he was in the Harry Potter movies first. Yes. Yes, you know, is. so I, and that's who, where I recognized him immediately from it. I fell in love with him. He's such a cute little booger. <laughs> oh, what a great dinner party. I'd love to go to that one for sure. It does sound like fun. It does sound like fun. Well, you know, I, I got to, uh, go to the, the JK Roll, Rowling signing in New York City that she had, which was, really? was quite exciting. You know, that invited, there was an invited one. Yes. Um, and I was one. I was one of the people in that audience because a friend of mine won the tickets and took me along. So I didn't win, but uh, somebody else did win, and and that was just thrilling listening to her talk. And of course, that's where she she talked about uh, Dumbledore being gay. That was where the first announcement was made about that. So, yeah. So I can promise you that it would be a fabulous dinner party with her there. So good choices, Diane. Really good choices. Thank you. <laughs> What question do you never get asked in interviews that you wish, wish, wish someone would ask you? And then what would your answer be? Um, I'm pretty, I'm not very shy. Um, so if somebody doesn't ask a question, I'll give them all the information. I do it on my own. Um, but what some people do ask is if I dye my hair, which is very funny for me. I've never dyed my hair in my life. My hair was brown, and from the time that I was 17, a white streak started growing near the front of my hair, near the front of my head. And um, I had that for um, probably 30 years. And most people wanted to know, you know, what what number Clairol did I use? (laughs) (laughs) And it was just, it's natural. Um, I I part my hair differently, and so now I have... um, brown and white streaks all over the place and uh, I like that better and and if I part my hair a different way it goes mostly brown so I have a very strange hair but people do ask that a lot you know what you know do I dye it and I never have I've never dyed it once wow that's very fascinating and also incredibly cool <laughs> so, it's, it's pretty cool hair it I really bet is. I bet well everyone has their own personal myths Things a lot of people think about us that may or may not be true. Their own personal myth behaviors. What myth behavior do people believe about you that is absolutely not true? Um, one of the myths is that writing comes easy for me, and it does not. I work really hard at it. I change and modify words. I move them around. I craft each sentence until I'm finally happy. Um you know, and then of course the editors get a hold of it and change it too. Um, but, but that's it. They, they seem to think that it's easy. Um, and another thing was somebody asked me, and it was really recently, they asked if I had a ghostwriter. Like I was rich enough to have a ghostwriter. Wow. <laughs> but I can see, I can see the first one, Diane. I can see why people would think it comes easy because your, your words flow so beautifully. Thank you. Thank you so and- much. 
yeah, your writing style is just, it's a fast read. It really is a, a, a very fast read and it just flows so smoothly. So I can see why they would equate that with, oh, she, it must, she must just toss these off. So I can see where they would say that. But now you get to tell us what myth behavior do people believe about you that really is true? Aha. Uh-huh. The the one thing that really, really is true um, that people really know about me is that I am incredibly creative. Um, I have done every craft that comes down the pike. I have I have been a sculptor, a painter, um, just whatever I can. I, I'm a jewelry maker right now. I am also I split my time between jewelry making, writing, and now I'm making fairy houses and. When I, when I get involved in these things, it's to the exception of everything. I don't even eat. I just keep on making and building and painting and sculpting and doing all of this stuff that, and I can't even stop. It's just, it's sort of a sickness. Um, but I'm very, I'm a very, very crafty, creative person. If I can't be creative, I get very, very cranky and it's not a good thing. Wow. I'm, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I'm know? obsessed. <laughs> I don't care. I, I'm still jealous. <laughs> I want to know about these fairy houses, and you are going to have to post some pictures on Facebook, my dear. I, I will. I will. They are almost ready. Um, they are made of gourds, and I use clay and, and kind of make the scenery all clay, and then the, the top of the of the gourd, the roof, so to speak, are pieces of pine cone and they're, and they're kind of tiled individually. Um, just to do the roof takes about eight hours. Wow. wow. I have to see these because yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of gourd art. I love yeah. that sort of, sort of stuff and I love fairies. So I yeah. have to see these. I can't wait. I will, I will be posting pictures of them, um, this week on my Facebook. Um, Diane, I'm sure it's Diane Haynes and I'll try to put them also on uh, the some enchanted evening um, Facebook page as well, because I sell them out of my shop, which is called some enchanted evening. Well, we'll uh, be sure and make sure we have links to all that too. So yeah. People yeah. Can... We'll get your links posted Diane for anybody who wants to check out your fabulous art. Absolutely. <laughs> Diane, this has been so exciting. I have really enjoyed you being our guest and us learning about your writing and your characters and your fairy houses and, and all the things that you do. Thank you um, for visiting and for sharing with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, well, I do appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. I think you've given us some great information and some nice tips that people can pick up and apply to their own work. So I do appreciate that. Thank you again. And remember, everyone, you can go to MythBehaving.com for more information on Diane Haynes and links to her books. And we'll make sure we get our Facebook page up there. You can also read her bio and find links to all of her social media. Don't forget that you can download this episode on iTunes or listen right on the MythBehaving.com website. Please take a moment to leave us a positive feedback on iTunes. That's how we climb up the iTunes ladder, and we would really like to hear from you. And you can also subscribe to us right on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Myth Behaving. We'll see you again next time. I'm Carla. 
and I'm Mare, and we are Myth Behaving, where reality meets fantasy. See you soon.